Yeah. All right. Yeah. This this should be episode 35 of the show that we call Both Laughs, the Dying Scene Quarantine Chat Show. Uh, I'm really excited to be joined by all of Kali Masi today, America's favorite rock and roll band, uh, which is a, a callback to any of you that might have watched the uh, album release show a couple of weeks ago. America's favorite rock and roll band, Kali Masi. We have uh, Sam and John and Wes and Anthony, all four of them. Uh, we've never done a full band episode like this before. So it's gonna be really cool. Hopefully oh. people actually watch it on YouTube because I'm sure it'll be confusing as fuck if you try to listen <laughs> on a podcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank we'll you. We'll let Wes do most of the talking. No. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for doing this. So we're the, the name of the game, obviously, is we're going to talk quite a bit about Laughs, which is the new album, uh, and how perfect that I just randomly called this show both Laugh because I used to do a lot of uh, print interviews. And then since the website took a shit, uh, it's uh, so what I used to do in print interviews is every time, obviously, I would laugh and the other person would laugh while we're having a conversation. I'd, I'd like to put it in there because it shows a little bit of humanity or whatever. Uh, and to me, it was cooler than just reading through text or whatever. And so somebody years ago said, if you ever wrote like a book or did a podcast or whatever, you'd have to call it both laugh. And I said, so this is episode 35. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so you, the album is called Laughs and it's in brackets, just like uh, if you were reading an interview or if you're watching closed captioning on TV. So uh, sort of weird symmetry there. Yeah, it was yeah. meant to be. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I want to start. So first off, how is, are you guys all in Chicago right now? Is everybody, how are things yeah. in Chicago right now? Cause we've obviously got pretty, uh, yet another heartbreaking story in the news today, uh, from Chicago. How is everybody holding up? Shit's weird again, still. It's weird. I don't know. Um, I'm sure everybody feels differently, but probably similarly, but it's, it's obviously super frustrating um on a lot of levels that this continues to happen and it's when it's happening in your city not that it makes a difference where it's happening but it is i don't know it's just like it's it's hard to keep perspective it's so frustrating and enraging you do sort of become numb to it because it happens all the time and then this one today when i saw uh the young man adam toledo is 13 and my daughter is 13 and so it's another it's a kind of like that's the first time one of a situation like this has been brought home sort of like that, that quite literally, like he's the same age as my child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's a mind fuck. Um, let's it's sort of horrible. seems like uh, it seems like an inevitability with the people that are running our city right now. Um, it's not an inevitability in general, but I think that like people need to, um, so I don't know. I, people need to really start thinking about, uh, how we're organizing things in, in our city and, uh, do something about it. Cause yeah, the people who are up there right now are, it's, it's just going to keep happening with people like that in power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately that's probably the case in, uh, an awful lot of big cities. And yeah. I think, I think Chicago kind of gets shit on sometimes, uh, unfairly for some of that. Although, like you said, sometimes it's uh, the people that are in charge aren't really steering the ship in the right direction. Totally. Um, 
I want to start this episode sort of the way that I start most every episode. The whole idea of doing both laugh uh, was at the start of quarantine when, so once the website went down and I couldn't do written things anymore, uh, I sort of focused on doing concert photography and now you can't do concert photography for uh, the next foreseeable future. Um, but I, one of the things I wanted to talk about to people is with people is uh, sort of what they were doing uh, when the world sort of shut down and then what they continued to do to sort of stay creative and to try new things during quarantine. You guys have sort of an interesting perspective because uh, if, if I have the timeline correct, you guys were here in Massachusetts with Jay quite literally as the world was shutting down, correctly? Mm, yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so how much of that did you, were you kind of aware? Of, it seemed to me from where we were that it was, there was really a span of like 36 hours or whatever in March where it seems like things maybe in a couple of weeks would get back to normal. And then by the end of that week, it was like, no, we're fucked. <laughs> how much of that were you guys sort of conscious of as you were uh, up the street here recording and all that? When we were in Massachusetts, I personally just thought it was a, th a thing that was going on that was going to pass just like there are, are always things going on every every day. But right. um, I don't think it really hit me until we got home and we got together and we practiced once and then every like shows started getting canceled and tours started um, being um, ended. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, in Massachusetts, I feel like I, I think Seattle had sort of a big outbreak at first, but here in Massachusetts, we kind of did as well. We were on that early bubble because there was a biotech conference that turned into like this super spreader event. So we had an awful lot of uh, positives in a really short amount of time, like in March, basically just as you guys were leaving. But well, yeah. we actually in the middle of uh, of <laughs> recording while we were in Massachusetts, um, Jay had like a project that he got hired to go do for like a day out on the West coast. And he actually like left the session to fly to uh, like, you know, where he was in Portland, I think. Yeah. And literally the day that the day that he woke up to go do the thing was the day that they shut down uh, like Oswego County or whatever, because they had one of their earliest outbreaks. So, oh, right. uh, he had, so he ended up not being able to do the thing that he went out there to, to do um, because of it. But we, I mean, so that was like, I mean, we were, you know, weirdly uh, almost affected by it in like a direct way yeah. um, at the very, one of the very earliest stages of it happening, um, you know, in, in the States, like stateside. So that was very, it was weird. And everything after that feels like watching a slow motion train wreck or something like that you know yeah it was weird he like he got back from uh the thing out in seattle or wherever wherever he was in the pacific northwest and like it was just kind of a weird story like he was just like yeah it's was, it was crazy like the whole city was shut down and like obviously you know hindsight's 2020 or whatever um but it just literally and figuratively yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it just didn't seem like it was gonna be what it was obviously um yeah. but it was very weird that, yeah, like during our session and then it um, just so happened to seem like we like, I don't know, sat on a record through a quarantine, you know, it just the timing of it was so weird um, to release a record like this far after like, or into the lockdown, into COVID, we mixed it all through lockdown and 
don't know. Yeah, it was just crazy good timing to like finish this record when we did, I think. There was never talk of like postponing recording sessions at the beginning stage, whereas there wasn't like, it it was still early enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was never that, that close to, I mean, it was right up against when things started getting weird. It was like when we all got back to work in Chicago was when things started seeming kind of funny, you know? Yeah. What would 2020 have looked like for you had uh, coronavirus not happened? I know you had uh, at least a trip to Pusa planned and stuff like that, but what else was on the radar for uh, for 2020 had things gone the way they should have? Mm, we're supposed to go back to Europe in the summer. Um, and I'm sure we would have probably kicked up some other tour plans around that. And we were going to go down to fast and stuff, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, the re- I, I don't think, I think the record still would have come out exactly when it did, but yeah, we did cancel some plans and some shows and stuff like that. Was there talk at least at first of postponing stuff? Cause it seems for a while, like a lot of people were trying to postpone things from March, April, May to, well, you know, by August or September or October, things will be back to normal. So was there that talk or were you guys kind of early on, let's just, punt until this is all over uh i think our europe the first what's up new classic zoom classic zoom stuff right here (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh, the the first run of our europe tour got postponed until i like what was it january 2020 or winter 2021 um And so that's been postponed like two or three times now. Is that what you have on deck for uh, November? Is that sort of the next, like a re-postponement of that? Yeah. In, in, a, in a way, yeah. I think like, I mean, we were, we sort of waited until, um, yeah, it's like you said, like it, it, at the beginning of the whole thing, it kind of seemed like maybe it would blow over in a couple weeks and then it started turning into like, I don't know, it might be a couple months. And like, we had that thing, like you said, to go up to Pusa in, in May of last year. And it was kind of like, I think we just kind of, but by the time it made sense for us to like, by the time it was like, certainly like not going to happen, it was like obvious that it wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like we barely had to like announce that it wasn't happening. I think we posted a thing that was just like, by the way, obviously these shows aren't <laughs> happening you know like, but so, so yeah. you guys didn't have to cancel i mean obviously it was canceled anyway but you guys didn't have to back out of it it was just like they kind of said yeah. we're not doing it right yeah like, it's kind of just at that point i think any any plans that you know or any conversations of anything that we had um it seemed obvious that they were going to be off the table but it was weird because all these shows started getting pushed to like july of last year and then august of last year and stuff and you know we were just like you know what are we gonna do when we want to start playing shows again and then it just at at some point it just completely i mean for me anyway it just completely left my mind like we're not playing shows anytime soon so why even you know why even try to pretend like we are (laughs) has that been a weird thing to wrap your head around the uh idea of not playing shows indefinitely like how do you how do you sort of adjust to that or cope to that as working musicians 
I mean, we've had, we've had a lot to work on, you know, in, in the, the quarantine time, just with the record and everything, but also like, you know, we, we recorded the record, you know, right before the lockdown. And so we didn't really get a good shot at like, uh, learning the songs, how they ended up on the record. Some of them, you know, oh, okay. some of them, we like finished them in the studio. And so like, I mean, it's been, it's been a, a cool challenge to kind of like, when we do get together, like try and become a, a really tight live band with these songs that we've never played for anybody yet. Um, and it's I'm I'm glad that we've had the time to do that um, because we had we had a show booked like pretty much right when it all went down. And we were like, oh, let, we, I remember like the first time we got back to practice, we practiced the one time and we were kind of trying to put together a set list of new songs and we weren't that good at them yet. You know, so we're getting we're getting good at the songs we wrote. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So a lot of these songs weren't. Uh you said they were finished in studio, so they weren't necessarily uh, written and played live and sort of honed down to what they became prior to recording them. It was really from in the studio. Oh yeah. A few of them, a, a few of them just weren't like, we, we rearranged a couple things. Um, a couple of them just, you know, there's just a lot of last minute changes. Of, of, there was two of them that I didn't have any lyrics to. So that was just like, and then like writing lyrics to him, recording the lyrics to him, and then being like, oh, I have to play guitar too. I have to play guitar <laughs> while I play these. So got to get good at that now. Um, it's been fun. It's been a cool challenge. And we've like definitely changed up kind of like um, our live, just how we approach being a live band. It's, it's been cool to re kind of relearn. I'll, for those people that are actually going to watch this, I'll uh, pretend I'm a talk show host. I'll hold up the album. You can see my ring light. There's nice. there's laughs. Uh, as I have said, it's one of my favorite albums of the year. Uh, as we were talking about before uh, we started recording, you came up here to Massachusetts and worked with Jay Moss. I know you worked with him on wind instruments, but you didn't record that here, right? You recorded out there somewhere? Yeah, at Atlas Studios. Okay. So how was uh, the experience at the Moss household? The, I know they're great and whatever, but how was it like being here, moving the whole Kali Masi camp to the... Uh, J Moss camp. Wes, Wes drove. So Wes, you, you tell us about your experience. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was wonderful because, uh, you know, since, since we recorded the first album in 2016, 17, whatever that was, <laughs> uh, we, uh, you know, I've gotten to see like Jay and Jesse pretty frequently uh, in the time between. So I, I think we really like sort of built like a friendship with them. So by the time we got there to record, it was, just like a really welcoming comfortable experience i mean i'm sure that's how they treat you know like i'm sure any band that uh, goes and records there and stays are comfortable but it was just it was nice that we had already you know we were like we were already friends so it was you know there was a sort of no hump to get over like comfortability wise we could just hop in and do it because you know we're all we're all familiar and the drive was long i would just like to point out it was definitely yeah, yeah it was uh, it was a lot <laughs> What is Chicago to Haverhill in a straight shot? Is that what, like twelve hours, maybe somewhere? Eighteen. Is it? I, I feel know. like it should like be. You <laughs> no, drove like, like eighteen <laughs> hours straight on the it was way like, home. No, it was like it was like twelve because we yeah. like woke up early oh. and then uh, I and it ended up ended up being longer because we had to stop. But yeah, on the way back, mm. John kept asking me, "Do you do you want to trade off?" And I was like, "Nah, I'm good." And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole way. <laughs> Wes is a beast, man. 
I think that it was very uh, sore. I think it was helpful for us all four to take off work for two weeks and then all go mm-hmm. out of state, kind of away from our home lives and away from our work lives, and all be in the same area working on this creative project. So there isn't like half of us are gone at work and showing up every few days or whatever to do their parts. Like I recorded drums first in the first three or four days. And then the rest of the trip was just me sitting in the room, supporting the band, which got boring sometimes, but overall, like, I think it's a cool way to do it, you know, cause we're all kind of there and it feels collaborative. And even if I say like one small suggestion like like every two days it's just like hey this is uh this is a thing we're all doing together you know totally and we all slept in the same room they're like bunk beds in the same room and i but i don't know (laughs) there's there's like a tour feeling to that um that was that was pretty cool yeah it does feel like you're in your own little studio apartment world down down there doesn't it's he's got a good thing there um oh yeah I was going to say that's got to be a little bit uh, of a different recording experience if you're used to finishing drums and then kind of going back to your normal uh, routine to have to be there for the next week and a half or whatever while things are getting written and rewritten and moved around. Did you do you have to then go back and re-record drum things like were were you that actively writing in the studio that songs would change that way or or does that even make sense? Uh, No, like. Uh, no, that makes sense. Um, like the, they were fleshed out enough where like we knew what we were doing for drums and like um, the structures of most songs. Uh, I feel like I feel like there's a special sort of shout out warranted for both John and Anthony for as the rhythm section of the band because there's so much going on melodically that uh, I feel like especially on this album that you guys do a wonderful job of really providing sort of a an anchor because like th- there's a lot of tempo changes there's a lot of big melodies there's a, even the vocal melodies sort of start and stop and go up and down and it, i think that a special sort of really shout out is warranted for both of you because there's a lot going on and it could have been very easy to sort of drift away and lose that sort of structure so you guys did a dynamite job on this album Thank you, man. That's really nice of you to say. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly sometimes uh, don't know how we held all this <laughs> stuff together because some of it really is like pretty, you know. It's a, I mean, uh, like a lot of the, um, a lot. It's funny, like a lot of the baselines that people like have pointed out to me and stuff. They're like, "How'd you come up with that?" I'm like, "That was always a part of that." So, like, that's something that Sam told me I had to do there, you know? And like, I thought it was going to be weird. And then somehow it completely worked out. Like there's, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how some of this stuff, um, there ends up being some kind of glue. I think just that eventually we all just kind of committed to some of the weirdness of it. You know what I mean? And, and it just, I don't know, it works, but I'm glad that I'm glad that other people think that it works too because there was definitely some potential for some like you know like pile up chaos kind of yeah, stuff yeah. and a lot of a lot of that also i mean it has to be said that uh jay and dave who is uh the you know uh, like co-engineer assistant right. engineer on the record i mean those guys just nailed they i mean they 
they killed it on the production stuff. So, you know, as yeah. far as just everything coming together in that way, I mean, we, we could not have done it without people who were just as committed to making it all work as we were. So it was very cool. You talked about the, the weirdness. I think that that's sort of an appropriate word to use. And it seems like you kind of took the stuff that like the, the seeds that were sort of planted on wind instrument and just kind of let them blossom on laughs. Um, I think maybe off the top of my head, trophy deer comes probably the closest to being just sort of a, a transition, uh, like a traditional verse chorus, verse chorus bridge repeat to quote Tim Barry. Uh, it's trophy deer seems to be that the closest to that sort of a song, but there's some moments like hers to laugh still life. There's a lot of different tempos and a lot of different things stitched together, which I find fascinating. And I'm curious as to if those things are, it are sometimes stitched together. Are they different ideas that you'll weave into a song or does the song, do the song sort of grow uh, organically as you're writing them in all those different directions, unless you don't want to give too much about how the sausage is made or whatever. But uh, I find that shit fascinating. We love the sausage. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be we... the poll quote for the interview. <laughs> Holly Monson loves the sausage. Um, I don't know. I think, I mean, Hurts to Laugh is an interesting example because that's a song, and I mean, I think they all are, but that's a song that specifically is ha, was scrutinized by all four of us, just like working it and reworking it. There was like, like at first it was like really like a two chord kind of two part song. And we just kept like, it wasn't working. And we just kept throwing shit at it to figure out what would work. Um, so it went through like a lot of changes and, um, I think, you know, with what you're saying about like the weirdness and like the rhythm section, kind of holding that together. I really think that like the amount of time that we spend on uh, specific parts of songs and every part and every song is really why that it ends up working is because we're just like, we wouldn't let it not work. And we just scrutinize everything so much. Um, but back to your initial question I, I mean like a song like still life i think was just kind of like uh as it went along it just kind of organically grew into what it was is yeah. that hard hard to know when to put the brakes on about sort of taking a song on a lot of different twists and turns sonically or is it well hurt so hurt the laugh specifically was like that was a song that like from the beginning it was like we liked it because it was so I mean, really, it, it was it was pretty much just like the 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 chorus didn't exist like at all. It wasn't a part of the song at all. Um, it was if you think about like the sort of like um, like instrumental break before the the last chorus there. Like most of the song was just those was just that it was those two chords over and over and over in like different kind of dynamics. But for the most part, it was like just really straightforward. I likened it to um, like a cloud nothing song kind of. Oh, okay. Um, it was really just simple kind of garagey punk rock. And, you know, it was sort of like, we were trying to figure out how we could, we could like add something to it so that it felt like a whole song without adding too much. And then one day or like maybe a couple of days, you know, Sam just came in and was just like, Hey, I like basically wrote, three whole new parts for this song <laughs> and we and, and i mean we were just like dude like i don't know because like it just 
I mean, it really just takes the whole idea of this thing, which is like, it's a simple, like, you know, shitty punk song and and we're turning it into like another one of our like like overtures like it just seems like you know kind of ridiculous um but a lot i mean really i guess that all that is to say that like it kind of comes down to um a lot of just kind of like the ideas that that we were committed to in the beginning of the process we had to be willing to just be like well no like fuck that you know what i mean like this is cooler let's do this instead first to laugh is is like the best example of that because i mean that song really does go all over the place but i mean it was not it was nothing like that originally it was very uh it was very 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 straightforward and it just was sort of like well how how do we build it into something that is actually like fucking interesting to listen to and like emotionally engaging and stuff i mean that you know sam is really really good i think it at doing that i think we're all good at identifying when something's not working but sam's really good at actually solving the problem so there, there was like a whole section of that song that we were committed to that was like this up-tempo swing part it was like we worked on endlessly like so much to get the feel right and the song wasn't working it wasn't working we really liked it we really wanted to like make it a song and i was just like that like thing popped in my head that people are always like kill your darlings and that was like my favorite part of the song and i was like what if we just took this part that we've been slaving over out and put something else there and it like totally worked i don't know i was like inspired by the how boring it got without it to make a different part i feel like you know that's wild <laughs> so i mean is that a situation where you think that that swing part will become something else down the road or is it just kind of put to bed uh, maybe probably maybe. not i don't know maybe I don't use the feel of it somewhere i don't else. remember I don't it to be honest i don't remember <laughs> how it goes so i yeah i think it's probably probably gone <laughs> there was a cool lead in it we might do something with it but i don't know yeah, yeah um man. one of the things that uh really sort of grabbed me about the album at first listen was even i think probably the first verse of still life like the very first song on the album where it almost feels like there, if people are familiar with wind instrument, there are a few songs where there's more gang vocals involved and things like that. And that is less the case on laughs, but it feels like still life is sort of calling for it. Like that first verse, you can sort of feel yourself in a crowd singing, like yelling that back to you guys. Uh, if that sort of makes sense, is that that sort of audience um, participation or interaction, is that sort of a thing that you, uh, try to shoot for when you're writing music but like i said i feel like that song in particular is one that really from the very first time i heard it grabbed me and said yeah i need to be standing like right in the front row yelling this back to them like it's that kind of a moment but is that is that a thing that even factors in on the writing side it's like pe people are going to like this and and want to sing it with us i think uh lyrically like that i i realize that it's something that people will uh, sing along with after the fact. Maybe I'll be like writing lyrics and I'll be like, this is actually, this little piece right here is is something that I think people relate to. And that's kind of always my goal is to like write, write stuff that like I really re feel strongly about. And, and if I feel strongly about it, that's evidence to me that somebody else will too. Um, 
But as far as like getting people to sing along with it, there's plenty of failed attempts at that <laughs> in, lots, in lots of music that we've written where it's just like too many words going on, like not easy to grab onto. Um, not a lot of whoa oh stuff going yeah, you're, on. You're not the uh, bouncing souls, right? I get it. No. <laughs> yeah. but I think, Which but I, I love the bouncing souls. But... You too, you know? man. Um, yeah, I I like your viewpoint on on that, Sam. Um, I think it would be kind of dorky to like go into songwriting and be like, I want to make something that like people are gonna chant, yeah, uh, or whatever, or like it, or like I want to write something that people are gonna get stuck in their heads. I feel like it should be the other way, where you write something and then later you realize like this is good because because people might like it like that so then we should keep going forward with it at, after coming up with it you know yeah, yeah. I also that kinda, makes sense i also kind of think that like um the re like words are powerful music is powerful um a lot of times i ha uh, have to remind myself that like 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 when we're like writing songs, a lot of times for me, I like feel like when I'm writing a guitar part or something, that part it already is like something in my, it already means something to me. It's like already like a feeling or a, a story or like something I'm experiencing just in the music itself. Um, but like that music usually will uh, kind of put its own uh, emotion onto whatever the words are. And the way I, the song I always think of is that uh, killer song where he's like, uh, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. It's, it's a meaningless phrase. It like doesn't really mean anything, but yeah, like right. with music and stuff, you're like, I fucking believe whatever this is. You're like, I, you know, and I right. think that that's like, that's something that is so powerful in music is it like really uh, injects a lot of emotion into, um, I don't know, not, not like they're uninspired lyrics, but just like it can give a lot more power and meaning uh, to something that's, you know, with great, the right music under it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to seeing you guys play that. Uh, I mean, the whole album live, but but a few of those songs in particular for that sort of reason to see, especially what people latch on to. And do people latch on to the songs that are uh, the singles and the videos or do people latch on to some of the other tracks? Because like, for, like yeah, I said, for me, I, I latched on to that too. one from first listen. Yeah, we don't, we don't know. We yeah, don't yeah. know what people are going to latch on to at all, or even like what songs might not translate well live or what songs will translate well live. We, we don't know yet. We'll, we'll find out someday. We'll try them all. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird, I hadn't quite thought about that in the context of bands that have been putting out new music throughout the quarantine. Um, but that if people haven't seen you play those songs live yet, you don't know what they're going to like. They, you, they might give you their thoughts on the album as a whole, but until you until they see you do it live uh, and until you get their feedback from you playing it live, you don't know what's going to happen. That's a that's a bizarre yeah. time that all of you are in. Yeah, we don't even know if people right. like the record, except when they <laughs> post on their Instagram stories and then tag us. That's yeah, like yeah. the only fan uh, interaction we've been getting. <laughs> Yeah, and whatever. nobody exactly posts on their Instagram Instagram stories that oh I got this album and it's a steaming turd, right? Like they <laughs> people post because they like it. So that could be happening all over the country right now. We just wouldn't know it, you know. Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> um, let's. It's also it's worth mentioning that you guys have put out some uh, really great videos 
for this. And that's not a thing that a lot of people necessarily do. Um, the guilt like a gun video seems like it was uh, a monumental task to pull off. And I've watched it like a hundred times and I'm still like, wait, how did they do that? That's awesome. <laughs> um, that's exactly it, what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. It, and again, not to give the, how the sausage is made, but it seems like that was effectively one shot from overhead. I know the phones move around and that was a different thing, but I was like, damn, I can't figure out. I'm pretty sure that's one shot from overhead. And if it's not, they did a really fucking good job editing it. Thank yeah, it's one yeah, shot. So, yep, all one shot. We took, uh, you know, to do the little, like, you know, the actual video itself with the party and all that. We just did it a, a bunch of times. We had sort of a kind of a game plan how we were going to move the phones and stuff. And then otherwise just had our, uh, you know, the people helping us out as well. Uh, like we would just kind of, make a party scene try different things see what works and just do it a bunch of times until we kind of like okay things link up looks believable that's good so it took it took quite a few hours just just it's funny because like the whole idea of like like you know i mean because i there's something like and we we kind of knew that it would kind of come off as like more impressive if it if it like you know came off like it was like one you know sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. seamless cohesive thing or whatever but what's funny is that like I, it would have been harder for us to figure out ways to edit <laughs> around the the whole thing than it would i mean a, a couple of times like the the idea of just, like bringing up ideas of just like oh and then we can like cut it and edit it so that it's like blah blah blah, blah. and those those always got vetoed like immediately because it's like that's gonna be way way fucking harder than if we just choreograph everything i mean sam and wes like they spent like several days just like with like like pieces of paper and like little like game pieces just like yeah. choreographing everything <laughs> um meticulously and i mean that's that the only reason that it works is because there was so much planning ahead of time but yeah it was all the one like the the stuff happening in the phones was basically one shot um all the moving between phones and stuff we did that all in one go we choreographed that and then the overhead stuff we choreographed separately kind of ahead of time given what was filmed before and yeah but a lot went into it but i think it would have been harder to do it any other way mm. yeah you nailed it that really like I, I think i was even watching it last night uh again with my wife and i was like see i think because of the polaroid that's slowly developing through eyes that i feel like that's like they couldn't fake that so i feel like it has to be one shot you um and then and then trophy deer which uh Anthony, you sort of animated that one yourself, correct? Yeah, I, so while, basically what we did for those two videos was we divided the labor. So like Sam, Sam and Wes were working really hard on the guilt video. And then John and I were working on the trophy deer video. So John drew all the backgrounds for it. <laughs> I, I was kidding. working pretty hard. Okay, so John can speak for himself there. No, you were, but, uh, you were, you were. Uh, yeah, so he was doing the backgrounds uh, for it and stuff. And he, um, I mean, it was basically like, I mean, I, I got a huge head start on doing the animation and stuff. But like, there definitely reached a point where I was like, man, there's all this hard work might not pay off. This might not look very good. And then when John started filling in the backgrounds and stuff was when I was like, oh, no, this is going to be <laughs> super sick. So, I mean, I could, whatever. I, it, it, it wouldn't have been. 
I don't think it would have been anywhere near as cool um, if it weren't a collaborative thing. But yeah, it just, it's cool that it worked out that way. And that like, we were able to kind of, you know, uh, we were able to see, see what the other dudes were doing and, and understand like what they were going for but basically just trust them to, to do it, you know, and just to yeah. involve us in whatever capacity they needed us to be involved in. And then they trusted us to do our thing. And it was really cool how it turned out that way. Both of those videos, I'm like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't believe, I mean, it really was like the four of us, we had some help from our friends, but it wasn't like we hired people to produce them or anything. Like we did those, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. We, uh, it, it was interesting because with both videos, it was kind it was a little bit of a Hail Mary, you know, like Anthony's first time animating, yeah. like what I don't, we did all the choreography for the, for the physical phones moving around and the people in the phones, what they were going to do. Cause that was the four backdrops was in the same room oh, okay. um, with four cameras shooting at the same time. So that is happening at the same time. Um, and, and we didn't know if either of the videos were going to work out really until they were pretty much done. Like when we looked back at the footage from Gilt and Anthony, like, you know, got all the, all the backgrounds and patterns all together. And it was kind of just like fingers crossed. And then, Holy shit, I can't believe we made this video. Like, I can't believe we made these. This is not, you know, it's, it's unprecedented for us to make something that cool. And I think they both videos turned out really fucking cool they came out really cool and they're radically different too. So it's not like you can tell that uh, the, like there's not a theme necessarily. There's not a look to them. They are radically different, which, which uh, I guess speaks to sort of the Kali Masi thing. There's a lot going on in both of them, but they are radically different. Uh, we tried to have like references to like each video in each other video in some small way. And I mean, just to, to it's not like super overt but there's like there are little nods if you watch all four of them you kind of notice there's some continuity just because we knew they were going to be so different from one another you know yeah did the do you think that the idea um to make the videos and to have them as sort of involved as they were sort of came out of quarantine and having less other things that you could be doing so that sort of forces you to focus on a different part of like the album run-up absolutely yeah, we roundtabled it. We like literally sat in a circuit around table, like a, a we literally sat around a round table, and and we're just like, let's think of some video ideas. And we actually we actually filmed the freer video first. That was okay. the first one we filmed. Like right when we got done, I don't even know if we had final mixes of the record, um, but we did that video first, and we were like, this is gnarly. Can't believe we did that. And then we started like, kind of plotting with these other videos um i think we did the stray second and uh yeah and that the whole concept behind the stray was like if you watch all our videos from wind instrument they're like they're like super like there's masks and fucking stuff go like all sorts of like stuff props and squirrely but like it just it's like very arty yeah, yeah. and then we were like make a video of us rocking out kind right. of like a, a sweaty rock band video and then from there we just it got out of hand <laughs> <laughs> um i sort of referenced the uh record release stream that you guys put together with 
uh, I guess with Corey and the booze cruise sort of people, did they kind of frame it out? But uh, you guys knocked that thing out of the park. Um, you had, it, and it was interesting. I liked the fact that you had not just a bunch of, uh, not just a bunch of guys playing acoustic guitars for, cause there's been a, like, like I've overdosed on that through quarantine. Like, <laughs> um, so you had, you had comics, you had Deanna from Sincere Engineer. Um, it, it was a, it was this really cool and eclectic sort of bill. How long, where did that sort of idea germinate from and how long did it take to pull it all together to what we ended up seeing? Uh, we weren't going to do a record release show or we had like kind of like thrown the idea around for a while. And then it was like two weeks before the album came out. Um, and they hit us up and asked if we want to do it. And we were like, all right, we got exactly two weeks. Um, sometimes things turn out cool when you're under a lot of pressure. And um, we just kind of mass texted a bunch of friends to see if they wanted to contribute like a bunch of different things and like threw around ideas and it worked out really 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 well yeah the whole thing about we were i mean we were basically like we're not we're not gonna do this because we can't make it cool you know i mean there there's there's no point in doing it if it's not going to be really cool and then uh somehow i don't know it was we're like you know we're like idiots like seeing shiny things and stuff so like we were just like yeah no like we don't want to compromise our like our artistic you know integrity and just throw together some bullshit just because that's what everyone's doing and then booze cruise hit us up and we're like do you want to do an album release and we were like yeah and so we all like uh i mean we it was sort of like out of necessity we were just like okay we have we this can't be fucking lame because we just worked so hard on this record and like we can't you know the release for it has to be at least somewhat commensurate to like how hard we worked on you know the record and the artwork and just putting this whole package together and i think yeah it just kind of came down to like well there are no rules for what this is supposed to be like you know i mean a lot of people put live streams this is not a knock on what other people do for live streams but we were just like this doesn't have to go be like a your typical show you know what i mean right, like right. It doesn't just have to be like us and two other bands doing like acoustic sets or whatever um and so we just kind of got all hands on deck i mean the reason that it was as cool as it was is just because we have so many awesome friends that were down to throw in in some in whatever capacity some small some big like you know some people came through in like a huge way like really really short notice and yeah i mean it just speaks to the i don't know the community we've been able to be a part of I was skeptical of the comedians, like how well that would work, but it, it was pretty funny. Yeah. It worked out. Yeah, as as one of them, and I forget his name off the top of my head, but as one of them pointed out that it is a little weird to have stand-up comedy not in front of tens of people, but in front of just like his buddy that's sitting on a couch and a phone oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. he's talking into. It's like, that's it, it's a interesting thing to watch. I watch Conan a lot. And so Conan's been doing his show from an empty theater and he's got cardboard cutouts. And so he still tells his normal jokes and it's just silent afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's a really weird thing to wrap your head around. Like somebody's giving comedy and you just have to laugh when it's funny, not because other people are laughing. It's a really sort of different world for comedy. That's yeah, gotta be that really hard for them. 
that was Winslow's oh, yeah. set. And he, he even said like, I mean, he was like, yeah, I, uh, he filmed it and he was like, he emailed me and was like, it's, I don't know, man, it's really weird. Like, are you sure this is what you want? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I promise, I promise you it's better than you think it is. Right. Just send it to me. Let me see it. I mean, they all felt that way. I mean, I sort of, and I even put it out there. Like I was, I hit up all the comedians and was just like, you know, I know that this is like a weird ask, but do you want to do this? And they were all kind of like, it's not that weird. And then they did it and they were like, that was weird. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but it, I mean, I think they turned out really great. They were all such good sports for doing it. It was literally just to humor me. I was the only person that wanted that. <laughs> Everyone else like could take it or leave it. But I was like, it's called laughs. We got to have comedians. And like, it's, I, I love that. It I didn't even out. make that connection. So wow. Like, John. The- the later and i was like oh okay <laughs> i just realized that like the reason why because we were like i think the reason why we got so many people on board too was we were like hey play one song or two songs or just tell a story it doesn't do whatever you want like we don't yeah. care you don't, no time limit like take as much or as little time and i just realized the only reason that set lists or sets are like 20 to 30 minutes in the first place is because like that's the like shortest amount of time you can use to like justify moving that amount of shit <laughs> you have to it down and then you're like the only like it has to we have to leave it there for like at least 20 fucking minutes there's nothing yeah. to move around on the, on the live set so it doesn't matter true yeah and no i think drive anywhere i yeah. think some of the people that have done the best job with some of these sort of live stream productions throughout quarantine are doing exactly that like there's not really uh rules necessarily like you said you do as many songs as you want or as few songs as you want or shoot the shit for a while i think that that's sort of what uh at least for me uh makes things interesting because i mean i like i have a beard and flannel and play an acoustic guitar i don't need to see 47 of them at the same time staring back at me so i like when there's things that are sort of different like that but the comedy piece is not a thing that like i don't think i've watched any stand-up comedy that's just been to somebody's cell phone or computer screen since quarantine yeah. started it's a it gives this really weird sort of dystopian thing to it i i love how it worked out though i think it i think it, it turned out really cool and yeah like i said everyone was such a good sport about it i mean it took it took some like cajoling because we had there were a couple <laughs> other comedians that we asked who were like that sounds great and then they were like that never mind that doesn't sound great at all and my friend Mo, who did her set from uh, the, her from the shower. shower, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. I was literally. I didn't know if she was going to send me a set or not, but that was the my whole thing was just like, look, it can be anything you want. You can tell old jokes while you're making breakfast tomorrow morning, as long as you're just <laughs> filming it on your phone and you send it to me, and that'll be fine. And uh, I was not expecting Mo to come through with that, and, and it was it was, you know. But I think that a lot of people. I mean, a lot of the musicians did similar things too, where it was just like, oh, like I can just do whatever, you know what I mean? Right. This is not, this is not a high pressure situation for, you know, and they killed it. Yeah, you, you guys did a great job. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. What's next for Kali Masi? What's the, I know that there are tour dates that we sort of hinted at before in Germany and UK and places like that in November and December, but is that the f- next official thing that's on the docket or Wes is our, to talk about uh, anyway? manager? He, 
He does everything. So Wes, you oh, gotta let us know. That's not true. I, I booked one show and it did it didn't it was they did not go well. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I just mean uh, I just mean percent of my uh, shows are bad. I know, I know. So you're we had, boss. <laughs> so before the uh, so we are I think are we we're scheduled to play fest. Which oh, you are scheduled for fest, right? Yeah, I did know that. I think so. Yes, and then so that's like right before and then right after we have the uh, you know the Europe tour. But otherwise, nothing planned. I mean, I think we've talked about maybe trying to line something up if you know things are comfortable and feeling good in Chicago. Uh, but otherwise, I think fest is technically the next um, you know uh, like thing. Mm-hmm. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is wild because it's still what six and a half months away or yeah. something. <laughs> I hope we I hope we continue to talk about future plans with this much uncertainty. Like uh, we're scheduled to play fast. What we'll see. Wes might be like, getting yeah. married in the fall. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we're scheduled to be well, married. I mean, yeah. That's the next uh the next that's what's next for Kali Masi is the nose. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe congratulations Wes I, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> fingers crossed yes. yes absolutely Yeah, the the people that live upstairs for me they got married in October of last year and it was that whole like do we push it back do we not push it back so they had a really small like almost virtual wedding essentially and that just like oh, wow. to me that's like heartbreaking like ugh. Like you spend all yeah. this time and, and money, frankly, and then yeah. you get married over Zoom. And it's one thing to talk like this <laughs> over Zoom. It's getting married over Zoom and your relatives all across the country. is uh, That's heartbreaking to me. Oh, yeah. I think that this entire last year has just been about making the best of yeah. this like unprecedented situation and, and trying to be positive uh, in whatever way you can. And, and, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot, you know, you think about all the things that people have like wanted to celebrate over the last not I wouldn't compare our album release show for example to like a wedding but like that's you know it's an occasion that we we felt was like a momentous thing that we wanted to celebrate we definitely didn't get to do it in a way that maybe we would have otherwise but you know I think that I think that you just have to I don't know make make not just make do but like really think outside the box and and make the best out of you know this like just insane situation that has been thrust upon everybody so i think people getting married on zoom's fucking tight man i mean you know it might have been better than the than a real wedding for all yeah well then they plan to have their real wedding i think this year too so then they get to do it all nice hell yeah Uh, i do think that there's uh there are some holdovers from the sort of zoom quarantine era that i hope might actually stay on like there, there's more people that probably got to see your album release show even though it wasn't a show show than would mm. have been there uh in person right and the, the people yeah. from all around the country and theoretically the world got to watch your album release show uh yeah so, which which is a different sort of cool thing than packing a, a club and getting it all sweaty and i know that there's obviously merit in that and whatever but mm. but it also uh, i think that there's some part of this uh culture that that the creative people like on on your side of the screen uh have have come up with that i think hopefully hold over at least at some level i mean obviously we all want real shows again uh and real tours again and stuff but i'm glad that some of this stuff has has existed yeah Yeah. i think 
referring to it as the Zoom era just like got me feeling a type of way. But I think you're right. I think that I think this has been an, I think this has been an era of um, like uh, community and like entertainment in some way, and that's pretty pretty wild to think about. And it ha- it has to have like a yeah. ripple effect on what we do in the future because it's shown us hopefully i mean you know that there are way more possibilities for the way that we can do things than uh than we previously gave any credit to you know have you been writing still throughout quarantine or or has has the sort of events of the last year bled into ideas that you have ruminating in terms of uh new material going forward or you're just kind of waiting to get out and playing this playing laughs to the people before you worry about writing again we just been trying to get good at playing the new songs. <laughs> I don't know. I'm stoked to like start to start cracking away at some new stuff again soon. But like, I don't know. For me, from writing, I know everybody in this band plays music, so everybody is probably has a different answer. But like, I have not felt like writing anything during this time, really. You know, it's been pretty uninspiring, uh, just uneventful. Yeah. yeah. Or too many events, like it's been overwhelmingly eventful for some people. And then like you can't really yeah. make can't necessarily make sense of how to sift through it all while you're going through it. You need a little bit of uh, detachment from it in order to sort of process yeah. what you just went through. It's a good point. Yeah, it's sort of numbing right now though, you know. I mean it's, it doesn't feel yeah, it feels like I feel I, I mean personally just very removed from a lot of what's happening and it's kinda hard to, you know. I don't know, but um, I'm sure that Sam's always got. Sam Sam is is extremely. Uh, he's a very thoughtful person, so he says he's not working on stuff. But in a, a lot of ways, yeah, I think you're muted. I think you're <laughs> muted, Anthony. <laughs> I think uh, I think I think that whatever is happening uh, currently, it's we're on our way to making something else. How often are you guys able to get together and work on the stuff from laughs? Like when did you actually start uh, making it sound like it sounds on the record? Are you able to get together every week or have you all been yeah, vaccinated well, at this point? Or I don't know how that shit works in, in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we get together often? twice a week. Oh, okay. Mondays and yeah. Thursdays. But well, we, uh, we can't yeah. pull up a night man asks us to podcast. <laughs> Yeah, this true. is our band practice tonight. Just hanging with you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> it would have been interesting, I guess, in hindsight, to do the interview from one of your phones, like in the practice room, and just pass it around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could have been. That could have been something. Yeah, we're just uh, we're we're we get together like once a week. We try to, you know, try to keep in touch. Did you go? How long did you go? Or was there a big chunk of time in there where you didn't get together at all or have you right. stayed yeah. Regular? Yeah. yeah yeah right when we finished recording the record we came back practiced once and then like real shutdown happened and i think we didn't really see each other until when, when was our next practice like july or august or something like that yeah it was like yeah. we got yeah. i mean we got together in in like may or june or whatever to clear out our old practice space and that was i remember that that was like a like a momentous thing that we were like you know 
uh, I mean, Sam wasn't, a, I think Sam had to, had to work or something like that, but me and John and Wes were all in the same place for like the first time, like two or three months. And it was like momentous. Yeah, um, that was weird. Super weird. Especially cause like, I mean, pretty, since I joined this band, we've, we've, we've been pretty like inseparable. We've seen each other at least once or twice a week, uh, like nonstop for like a couple of years um you know and sometimes for like literally non-stop for like weeks at a time on tour yeah. and stuff like that so that was definitely like kind of wild and so i it just yeah i think it reached a point where we were like we just gotta start if we're gonna socialize in in one way then it's we should you know it was a no-brainer for me that it was gonna be with the band you know did we move out of the uh, out of empty bliss into superior street no, yeah. I think we didn't have a space for a while. Right. Yeah. It empty bliss flooded, and then we just had to move our shit. Yeah. That, yeah, that was a whole other thing. Is we like lost a ton of our gear. I was gonna say, prior- did you lose anything in a flood? That's crazy. Yeah. Prior to yeah. recording. Right. No, it was after. After it was recording. After. So yeah. our old practice space flooded twice, and once was before we recorded the album and the other time was after we recorded the album so wow. like that's why that's why it's confusing yeah feet of water we really like, had like several thousand dollars worth of gear trashed um but people like the the people who run this space started like a a gofundme and they raised the money in like a day they're, they're awesome people it totally was not like their fault that it happened or anything and they they took care of what all you know we're definitely not like we we didn't get like particularly fucked in that situation. We were really 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 lucky that yeah. it worked out. Did damn. <laughs> I just forgot about that. Sorry for bringing it up. I was like, what? Did, was, that, was that last year? What a fucking yeah. year! <laughs> like that's like the reason that we. I think that for for a lot of bands, when something really unfortunate like that happens, it's like, you know, they like reasonably so talk about it for like years afterwards and it's such a footnote for us because like we we got so taken care of by the whole yeah. thing that it doesn't it doesn't seem worth the only reason that it's even worth bringing up is is like to bring up how uh, again fucking awesome the people that we know are and uh how much support like you know we have from people i mean that shit was that was awesome that really just you know gave me a lot of faith in what we were doing so yeah, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a you know woe is us kind of situation um, like at all. We we got we got really really lucky uh, overall from that. So it's just another reason twenty twenty was uh, a shitty year, quite literally in, in your case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, we've we're at the hour mark. I don't want to take up your whole night. Although I know you canceled practice. Uh, the album, as I said before, is called laughs i'll hold it up again i'll pretend i'm conan or whatever uh and it comes with so i think that this is awesome because it's like tiger beat style from from the 1980s or whatever who's i like albums don't come with fold-out posters anymore that's badass but who's i where did that come from i think that was brilliant we just wanted like a cool insert (laughs) no no bands like okay a lot of a lot of the shit that i feel like we are always like concocting has to do with like oh man no bands 
like us are going to put a full fold out like boy band poster of themselves in the like that just I don't know it just seemed like a subversive (laughs) good idea it's like it's like I don't I feel like it hasn't been done since like the 80s rock like arena rock days like yeah hair metal bands and shit would do it and then it kind of went away for a while because punk rockers take themselves too seriously or whatever but i think that was fucking awesome and i didn't know if it was an intended thing or if it was just sort of like oh no it's just a picture that was a poster but i was like that's fucking we're just trying to we're trying to convince people that we're uh, good enough of a band to have a poster (laughs) so to do that we just made a poster of ourselves and uh slipped it into the i was gonna i was gonna start the show with this just like on the wall behind me i feel like i feel like that was an opportunity missed at this point (laughs) um thank you for doing this gentlemen thank you for getting all four of you together uh this has been a lot of fun for me and like i said we've blown through an hour so i don't want to take up too much of your evenings um like i said it's really nice meeting you dude yeah likewise and uh yeah i when I knew that you guys were recording at Jay's house, I was gonna sort of uh, try to invite myself up through Jay and take pictures and shit like that. Cause like I said, I've done that for Rebuilder a couple of times uh, and uh, they're just cool people to hang out with. And I was like, ooh, but then it, whatever shit happened and I didn't. So, uh, so I wish I had Next done time. that. Cause uh, yeah, I, uh, this is really cool. I'm a huge fan of the album. Hopefully everybody has bought it at this point if they haven't hopefully they'll go buy it now because it's it's one of my favorite albums of the last few years we'll put it that way thank you man wonderful thank Thank you you. thanks so much i'm gonna uh stop recording and then make sure that it saves correctly